Hey, Augmenters! Creating deep, authentic connections with other humans is what we are all about with our rising tide of mentoring. Our fifth principle, connecting with others, is really our most important, and who else could possibly be our spirit guide than the Empress of Engagement, the Queen of Creating Connection, Oprah Winfrey. Jimmy and I share our personal stories of how Oprah has touched us, as well as symbols to help you to truly hear and be present for each other in your mentoring relationships. Grab some coffee or tea, grab your bestie, and jump in. Here we go. Julie, let's, uh, let's, let's get this thing started. Oprah. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I have to say, this has been tough. Oprah's, Oprah's a huge, um, there's so much inspiration. I think it's been hard to even figure out how to distill it for us to be able to share some mentoring principles from everything Oprah brings. Yeah, wow, she is such a powerhouse. I asked, I asked Heather, it's like, tell me something about Oprah. She took a breath and just said, powerhouse. That was it. And now that word's been stuck in my head was just the amount of the amount of positive energy that she puts out in the world and given such hardships that she's went through, given where she, she started from potentially, you know, uh, and what she's now moved to, uh, it's, uh, it's a pretty emotional thing when you really think about it and how much she shares. So, uh, we're going to try to do our best here. This is one of the hardest principles, uh, that we've come, uh, we've needed to put together, but, uh, the importance of building connection in a mentoring relationship is critical. And we're going to take just a small piece of Oprah and distill it into something that can help with your next mentoring relationship. When I think about Oprah, I, I mean, powerhouse is such a phenomenal word for her. I, I do think it is really about the connection because she is so able to get people to be able to really share vulnerably. And I think something that you and I have talked about, she was really just, I mean, a pioneer, again, like any word you use for Oprah doesn't even do justice. Like everything is not even, you know, enough, but talk about a pioneer and pioneering these vulnerable relationships where people are actually able to really share honestly. I mean, she was talking about things, you know, I'm a little older than you are, Jimmy, which, you know, I never fail to remind you of, but, you know, back in the day, like I'm from Chicago and at nine o'clock in the morning, we'd be, you know, watching Oprah. And like, if you were homesick, that's what you did is you watched Oprah. And I learned about so many different ways of life, different ways of thinking, different ways people are showing up in the world, even like back in the 80s and 90s. So the fact that she was starting these initial conversations and how vulnerable I think people feel that they're able to be is huge. But I do still think despite the vulnerability, we still see this importance of connection because I think even though people are quite vulnerable, they're not always connecting as deeply. So I am so excited to talk more about Oprah because I love her. And also um, to kind of go through some of these symbols around around connection. Yeah, there, we got a lot here. It's it's very exciting, uh, and I also want to make sure that we give props to Erica, our phenomenal producer, because uh, she's really pushed us and been a little bit of I would say a guide, a mentor guide in especially this Oprah episode and of course this entire project. And really giving us awesome feedback on how we can do better uh, as both uh, communicators and really do justice to Oprah, which I don't think anybody can do properly, but uh, we're going to try at least for mentoring. Absolutely. 100%. And I think 
So, so when I really think about what, again, you know, we talked a little about this as vulnerability. When you're thinking about the first symbol with Oprah, I think it really is the her ability very early on to have people be able to share really vulnerably with each other um, about things that are going on, things that people weren't talking about, how they felt about different relationships, how they felt about themselves. And I think one of the pieces of her vulnerability that she um, tapped into, which I think really relates to mentoring, is this idea of having people vulnerably share their intentions. What do they want out of their life? I think Oprah often asks that question that became kind of a mantra for her. What is your intention? What is your intention with uh, this meeting? What is your intention with being on the show? What is your intention with setting up this company? And that when you put those intentions out there, you know, basically you're going to get what it is that you're looking for when you're setting that intention. So I think from a mentoring standpoint, helping, you know, for the sort of mentor um, guide, helping mentee believers to be able to share more about their intentions with vulnerability and being honest about it. Being truly uh, audaciously honest, uh, being so open to sharing how you're feeling about things uh, without overwhelming uh, somebody, uh, but to do it by building connection. Because again, this Oprah, number five in our principal series, building connection with either your mentor guide or with your believer mentee. And we've already done the pitch. You've already reached out. You've gotten your meeting or your phone call and you're starting to speak. How can you begin to really build rapport uh, as you're connecting with somebody? And I think a great example of this, uh, especially with being uh, vulnerable, is uh, Oprah had her first interview with Amy Schumer after Amy Schumer wrote a book. Love her, love her. And of course, Amy's hilarious. She's a stand-up comic. You know, uh, she, she, Amy is fantastic, fantastic at being vulnerable herself and connecting with her audience and fans. Uh, and Oprah sits down and within one minute, they are already jamming on the same wavelength because Oprah starts out with a compliment and goes, Amy, I love you. It's been so great to hear you. You're so funny, you know, and yet I know you've been going through a whole lot as well. So, so it's not this, you know, overly wide ranging and encompassing compliment, but it's specific about how funny she is and everything is great. And then Oprah goes right into, and you know, we share something that a lot of not, that not a lot of people would expect. And Amy right away kind of cocks her head to the side and Oprah goes, well, I read your book. And uh, you, you talked about something in that book quite a lot. Uh, do you know what we share? And Amy right away said, oh, you're an introvert too. Wow. And, and Oprah says, can you believe it? And Amy's like, actually, I can believe it. And here's why. And boom. They, and, and they took off from there and the conversation never looked back. And talk about such a wonderful way of Oprah showing that all of the time that she was searching to book Amy on the show and the pitch to get Amy on the show, all this research really is coming back to Oprah sharing something vulnerable about herself and truly connecting with the person in front of her. Especially when it's something people wouldn't expect. I mean, I think people expect, obviously, Oprah is the queen of talk. Like, if, how could she possibly be an introvert? And then it really opens the door for connecting with others um, who are introverts, too, and maybe want to do things that Oprah has done or that Amy has done or want to be on stage. I mean, I know quite a few, you know, very public figure. I mean, for sure, a lot of public figures are introverts. And, and I think it allowed that conversation um, to be out there. 
And I think it's also a lot of just acceptance about who you are, you know, acceptance about what you uniquely bring uh, to a to a scenario and that you're able to to really share about yourself and that we all have our unique value that we bring. I loved the vulnerability that she shared when she was talking to other hashtag queen Brene Brown about um, setting intentions and and I love and actually Jimmy, it made me think too when I first met you, you talked a lot about your why, like making sure you're getting to your why, which ultimately is really setting your intention. Like why are you doing this? Why are we showing up? Why are we having this conversation on you know a holiday when we could be you know, at the beach, maybe you're doing something else. Like, why, why, why do we do these, these kind of things? And how do we set that intention around it? And so this quote, I literally teared up, I couldn't even believe it. So Brene and um, Oprah are talking. And Brene asks Oprah what her favorite room in her house is. And she pauses and is like, oh, I love that question. I love my house. Brene's like, I love your house too. And then I was like, can we go to Oprah's house, Jimmy? Like, how do we figure out how to make that happen? Um, And then she says, oh my gosh, she says, I, when I was uh, filming The Color Purple, so this was a long time ago before Oprah was, you know, she was, po- she was obviously popular, she was a movie, but she was not quite as she is now. She said, she wrote an intention in her journal, I really hope I have enough money to have a home with beautiful things in a beautiful surrounding that matches my beautiful spirit. She wrote that intention in her journal in whatever year that was. I think it was the 80s. And now she has, you know, a Montecito, you know, powerhouse that she just loves. And so that intention, if we can help people think about something that's maybe a bit beyond your wildest dreams, like I would never guess today, A, I'd be like here talking to you, or I'd be running a company the size I'd be running. I had like, I did not expect any of these things to happen in my life. But starting to set those intentions for yourself as you think you're getting to the next level. And maybe we've talked a lot. The Venn diagram, is it personal? Is it professional? Maybe it's, you know, I want to have a beach house where all my grandkids come and we spend all of our time together. Or maybe it's I want to run, you know, a $50 million company. Or or maybe it's I want to go travel the world and do, uh, you know, and just live as like a digital nomad and do whatever I want. So I love that. I loved her story there about setting intention vulnerably because it's really sharing what's important to you. And I think in this mentor-mentee relationship, I think it's great to be able to share that. And I want to go to Oprah's house. Yeah, Oprah's house sounds great. I, I mean, I feel like we could probably go on forever because I have one more thing to say too about it that I forgot until we just started talking about it. And again, when we go back to vulnerability, she has always from the very beginning been so public about, you know, not fitting the typical, you know, size, body size, not t- fitting the typical standards of beauty, not, you know, not, you know, sort of being this, I don't know, perfect person, this vision that society has on what somebody who is a celebrity should look like. So I am grateful somebody who doesn't feel like I always look like, you know, whatever anybody's, everybody's supposed to look like, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And, and we've seen time change so much around that. And I think her from the very beginning, be very honest about her struggles, being very honest about how she has a lot of self-acceptance now, honest about where she's come from, really doing the best and just taking good care of herself and, you know, really doing the best with what she's got. I think that is a level of vulnerability an intention that she has set that I think has permeated the entire culture. And I personally am super grateful for her for setting that up early on as well. Oprah has uh, was retelling a story about, you know, once she had been doing the national show for a few years, it became less that people were coming up to her and saying that she was an inspiration for, you know, a black woman from Mississippi getting to where she was now with the national stage and even ch- changing how talk shows during the day in America looked. 
but it started then becoming people were coming up to her and saying more and more, Oprah, these, these are viewers. Uh, these viewers are saying, Oprah, by you being you, you helped me be more myself. And, and that's a pretty amazing lens. That's almost art of that, you know, people are seeing their expression through Oprah. And, uh, you know, clearly me uh, being, you know, a, a white guy uh, in probably a younger generation than Oprah. I'm not really in her, you know, focused target audience. But uh, I was sharing before we got going here that just going through uh, all this Oprah content, everything she said, it's pretty emotional. Uh, and uh, it's, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to not really start thinking about yourself and thinking about how you want to affect others when you spend some time with Oprah. And uh, before uh, I lose it, uh, I am going to say we should kick it off with our first symbol. Uh, it's something that we've been saying really throughout this entire intro to Oprah is that you know, the symbol number one when you're connecting with somebody is be, be vulnerable. You really need to be ready to share a piece of yourself and when you do that, you are setting an intention for that relationship and you're being brave. You're putting yourself out there in a way that you may fail. You're not going to fail yourself, but you may fail in however you are taking that next step. But it, that next step is going to lead to so much more down the road. 100%. And I think when we think about, you know, you and I have mentored people. If somebody comes to you and says, you know, I actually have it all together. Like I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm great. I'm super smart. And, um, you know, everything's, I just, I have it all together. So like where, if there's no vulnerability, there is no ability to be able to mentor somebody or to be able to share your experience. If they've got it all together, they don't need you. So as uh, sort of the mentee um, believer coming to, uh, to meet a mentor guide, you have to be able to, um, be able to share, you know, your vulnerability and, and what and what you're really trying to work on for yourself. Obviously, we're all trying to work on um, different things. So I think that's really a key and just being, you know, honest. And then I think we also have talked a little bit about too, you don't want to be 100% over the top, especially if you're in a business relationship, you don't need to, um, you know, share every single last thing that you're struggling with, but maybe, you know, be a bit specific uh, on what your mentor can help you with. Yeah, and it comes back to being intentional. But I, an important thing that you, you said, Julie, is you know, if you are the uh, guide mentor to someone who comes into you and you are in this formalized setting, so you're going to be here, you can't say, great, move on. And somebody says, I got it all figured out. Uh, can you help me with this or that or whatever else? I would try to you know, listen, of course, and you know, uh, hear them about what they, where they want to go. But try to frame your questions to this believer mentee about how they can get a little bit deeper within themselves and that they can be okay with not having it all, not having necessarily their armor on at all times. Yeah, they, they might need to suit up every time they get into the office, but to when they're trying to build something genuine in a relationship and a connection that they do have some things that they can truly share because it helps, helps the person they're sharing with actually connect back to them. And I think that is a real challenge for uh, mentor guides to truly think about, okay, how do I frame questions to just not, it's not pierce the armor. It's help the person sh show their insides, the, the, their true feelings through that armor uh, in these new relationships. Uh, so, uh, so symbol one, it's about being vulnerable, bringing that attention and being brave. Uh, and 
symbol two, I, I think it needs to come back to Oprah's book club. Started in 1996, ran for 15 years. One of her most successful uh, you know, pieces of the show that she had. But what I did not realize coming into our conversation today, Julie, is that Oprah started the book club audibly on that show with a very clear intention. She said, my intention of this book club is to help get America reading again. It wasn't just to sell books. And that it was not to sell books. It was not to be an entertaining bit. She goes, there are a lot of people that I know of that have these reading clubs. They get together and read. But there are some folks that don't have that opportunity to have a club where they can meet together. So I'm creating this national club where once a month we're going to get together and talk about a book and you're going to feel part of that conversation and you can join us just by reading this book at home. So this was not anything to do with uh, a specific, you know, economic, you know, focus. This was truly about trying to help not even a person. This is how brave Oprah is about helping our nation. She was trying to get people to read more. That's amazing. I didn't even know that. I kind of thought it had to do with publishing, but uh, which I know it ended up becoming sort of a juggernaut for the publishing industry. Uh, and I love that. It reminded me so much. I live in Brooklyn, and they also at the time, uh, starting in, I don't know, I moved there in 99, they had a Brooklyn book club. And uh, people on the train, they'd have, you know, the train uh, books were available no matter where, and you could download them. And all of Brooklyn was reading the same books together at the same time and having those, building on um, each other. which was all inspired by Oprah, if you think about how she's inspired us. And hopefully people will continue to keep reading, even though I know she's not doing the book club anymore. But what I love about the book club concept, Jimmy, is that I think what it really does is it gets people really focused on, on listening and really talking to each other and having this connection around these books. And one thing I think we both love about Oprah, and we also love, at least I'm speaking for you, I love about Oprah and I love about other people is when I really feel like somebody is deeply listening. And I feel like I'm really being heard. And I feel like I'm really, um, uh, and I also feel like I am in a conversation where I am also really listening to people. So I think the book club concept to me is really about creating those opportunities for really strong listening and really seeking to understand um, both about the book and about each other. Totally. And actually what, what I love about this is this is going to be one of our more really tactical uh, symbols that we have because listening loud, active listening can sometimes feel very broad. Well, you're a great listener in general. That's one of the first things I noticed about you. And what are your tips? Like, how do you, what do you, what do you, like, what are your tips for um, active listening? If we are thinking about our you know, sort of mentor guide, working with the mentee believer, how do you, what were your tips for helping people stay focused in a conversation? Well, I love that you're bringing up, it's, it's more important for the mentor guide to truly be the active listener in the beginning. Because remember, for us, as mentor guide, you're not there to solve problems. You're, you're there to help with questions. So if, if you're not truly listening to this person, who th this believer mentee, who's probably a little nervous even just being here in the first place because of the strange hierarchical structure of mentoring and whatever, as we've talked about ad nauseum, it is so critical to actually make the mentee believer realize you are caring about them and listening because you're making eye contact. You might have gestures. There's so many little things to do that can really show that you are engaged. 
and give that validation, give that uh, eye contact. Even if the first 10 minutes, this mentee believer is just going all over the place, just be there and listen. And sometimes just by showing that you care, it means that they will care. And this is something we've brought up quite a bit. And you can do that so much through this listening loud, active listening that Oprah just shows nonstop. And if you think about it too, she's having these conversations and she also has like a producer behind her being like, you know, trying to get her to wrap it up. And she knows she has a certain amount of time to finish the segment. And it's not like she can sit there and chat, you know, for 45 minutes. Like she has a studio audience and she has all these other things, but she was able to really distill what people had to say. And um, in, in kind of a short period of time, I love those are, those are great tips. It's like really making sure that your people know and they can physically see you. And, and ha making somebody know they're being seen and heard goes a huge way in building connection. I love that. And I'm just going to build on it because uh, my other thing for, uh, for me and as working as a communications professional, I'm often thinking of things in sort of three buckets of certain kinds. So I, I find when I'm having a long conversation with somebody and they're throwing a lot at me. So in a mentor guide, mentee believer conversation, sometimes they're throwing a lot at you. They're talking about things that are happening. You know, maybe they're, com they're, they're complaining that this is happening, it's not going well, that this is not right, da, 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 whatever. I try to visualize sort of a word cloud when somebody's talking and I try to pull out the words that I hear that I can kind of relate back to, to them and say, okay, I'm hearing all these things happening. Sounds like one thing that's going on is X, Y, and Z. Another thing that's going on is this, that, and the other. And the third thing is yada, yada. And then how do we make it, you know, so that it kind of breaks it down. And then you can have a conversation with somebody about those three areas. And you can probe, you can ask questions, you can engage. And then you're kind of focusing your conversation to be able to help them get to the next level or maybe even help them kind of organize their thoughts. Because sometimes you just walk in and you're like, ah, this is all these things that are happening. But you could help, you know, kind of, uh, get that a little bit better organized for them. And those could end up being the things that you work with them on over time. So maybe there's a personal thing that's going on. There's a professional thing that's going on. There's, uh, you know, again, your intention for what you see your future as. And then those are things you can really work with somebody on. So I think that's part of our jobs as the mentors, I think, is to really be able to hear, kind of, kind of hear what they're saying that they're not saying and being able to help people sort of focus their, focus their, um, their thoughts and help them you know, sort of set up these goals. Uh, I think that's a, that's a great role that a mentor can play. Totally, and, and, uh, and something that I think is also powerful on the Oprah side that speaks to helping somebody set up their goals and how you build an attention continue to grow. Uh, Oprah nowadays, she doesn't do the talk show, talk show uh, stopped after 25 years in 2011, but now she goes on speaking and interview tours. So she had, you know, 2020 visionary interview tour where there was no producer in her ear. She had as long as she wanted to with countless amazing guests. And, and, and those are, th those are just, you know, blueprints for how to have an amazing active listening relationship with somebody and be truly engaged. Oprah's so good that after her Lady Gaga interview, they're backstage, Oprah goes up to her and puts her hands on Lady Gaga's shoulder and says, you were so vulnerable. You were so good. And thank you for doing that for me and for giving us all of this truth uh, that, uh, that, that nobody was necessarily expecting or needing. But I heard you over the last hour and I'm coming out of my way. This was unplanned. This was just backstage. I'm coming out of my way to tell you how much, how important it was that you shared that. And you can do that 
just in your normal conversations. You can have lunch with somebody, shoot the breeze, whatever. The next day, you can follow up and just say, hey, you know what? Thanks so much for that small story. I've been thinking about that since our conversation, and it meant a lot for sharing. Thanks. You know, two sentences is going to go a long way for the next time you talk. Because it's contagious. It's totally contagious. Vulnerability is contagious. Any of these kind of principles are contagious. If you are vulnerable with other people, your students, people around you, if I'm vulnerable with my team, if I'm vulnerable with my daughters, if I'm vulnerable with others, they feel more comfortable being vulnerable with others too. So she really kind of kicked off this movement that I think like you're saying, you know, you can continue to share that with, you know, people in all different you know, kind of positions, whether they're people that you consider a mentor or people that you consider um, a mentee. I think that's great. It's, it's, it's huge. And this is actually inspiring and reminding me about, you know, continuing to have that vulnerability and really share honestly with people. And remember, I, I do love flowers oh way more than Heather. So whenever you need to give say thank you, fresh flowers are great. I'll put them in the house. Appreciate it. Thanks, Julie. Uh, so. I feel like, um, you know, I feel like flowers, it's a good, it's a good segue. To our next our next uh, symbol these are your favorite things jimmy <laughs> it, it is and actually a, a segue on a segue yeah, oh yeah yeah it is yeah flowers are one of my favorite things but one of my other favorite things our symbol number three is the relationship between gail king and oprah and just having a great best friend because after the lady gaga interview when oprah and gaga are crying who comes into the camera angle out of the corner? <laughs> no one other than Gail. And Gail just goes, thank you both for letting us in. And then boom, video cuts out. And I was like, Gail's the best. She's always there. And she is one of my favorite things of Oprah. And of course, not everyone's going to have a Gail or anything like that. But we all have important relationships. And uh, important relationships are a great way of showing kindness without expectation. And that uh, is what we've been talking about is symbol number three, Oprah's favorite things, how to be kind without expectations, not, not thinking you're getting anything in return, but just truly giving that kindness. She is exceptionally, ex and again, it's contagious, that exceptional kindness. Um, I was, I was digging back uh, some for some of her episodes and in 2004, many moons ago, she had this wonderful whole segment about just extending yourself in kindness. I think the um, crux of the conversation was kindness does not have to be sponsoring an orphan in Africa. It does not have to be showing up, you know, three times a week at a homeless shelter serving homeless people. Like the idea that it's sort of all or nothing, that if you're doing something kindness, or you're volunteering, you're, you're doing something huge, that kindness is literally each and every you know, thing that you do is just extending yourself um, and extending yourself in kindness. And she, at that time, was really talking about starting this kindness movement. Small things you could do every day. I always say, I mean, I live in New York City where, like, you know, kindness isn't exactly, like, number one on everybody's hit list on how they treat each other. But, like, days, it's just, like, holding the door open for the people at CVS or, like, you know, making letting somebody go ahead of me at the coffee shop or, um, you know, not cutting somebody off and giving them the finger while I'm driving. Like, these kind of little acts of kindness that we celebrate in New York City, um, it, it does, it, it, it extends beyond it. So uh, I think, and, and I think, you know, just starting this kindness movement, but I mean, Oprah's favorite things. I mean, that's a lot of kindness. She was, she was, she was sharing there. It truly was. And I, I love how you were bringing up where Oprah's favorite things started, which was really on small gifts. 
And I actually don't think she got away from those small gifts. And this is something that I was really getting deep into the Oprah's favorite things. And, you know, I, I love, of course, the, the gif of Oprah going, you get one, you get one, you get one. But what was fascinating is the first time she gave away cars, it was actually on a Christmas Day episode of Oprah's favorite things. And she said, uh, one lucky person in here will have a key in their box and you will win something very special. And no one knew it was a car, it was just a key. A key could be a symbol for a lot of different things. You open a box with, you know, open cabinet for something else. Well, of course, everybody in that audience goes under their seat, pulls out this box, and everybody finds a key. And everybody's freaking out. And every and like an Oprah saying everybody wins a car. It was like, you know, a mid-sized luxury car of some kind. So it was a little snazzy and whatever else. It was a Mazda. And yeah, felt like uh almost like too showy. It felt over the top. It felt extraordinary for no reason. But then I learned that every single person in that audience had a friend, unbeknownst to the audience member, had a friend write to Oprah's production team saying, my friend is without a car. She is down or he is down on their luck right now and could really use some help. I read about this as being part of Oprah's show, this car would change my friend's life. Unbeknownst to my friend, I recommend this person to be an audience member for this show. So it wasn't just Oprah going, hey, everybody gets a car. It was Oprah changing each and every person's life in that audience because each person needed a car. So those freak out reactions weren't just like, oh, sweet, I just got 15 or 20 grand for free. It was my life is now unlocked because I can go anywhere because I have a car which I didn't need. And that's why those reactions, which I felt were over the top, were actually honest and true because Oprah had started this just by actually trying to find people who she could help. I literally thought I knew everything about Oprah and I did not know that, Jimmy. So thank you for sharing that story with me. That is so, I didn't know that. It's huge. It's like a life changer total life changer. So do you know what that means? That means two things. That means kindness and that means incredible amount of thoughtfulness. And the thoughtfulness for not only just being generous, like, you know, throwing 20s out your window or just like throwing money, you know, around or just donating to whatever. That's like the incredible thoughtfulness of like, what does this person actually really need? And how can I, um, how can I show up for them with this kindness? So I think, this relates back, and I have a great story, but I'm going to save it for a second because I want to relate it back to mentoring, which is really about, you know, people reach out to us all the time, and I think you and I both will always hop on the phone with somebody for 30 minutes. Like, it doesn't even matter. I mean, if anybody's willing to talk to us, we're willing to talk to them. Our time is valuable, so there is an element of kindness for that. Um, and 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 But I love the kind of taking it a step further with the kindness, but then like the thoughtfulness, like what does this person really need? Or how can I connect them to the right person? Or how can I, you know, do research? You're great about this too. Like do research, pull up some links, pull up some people they should talk to. Maybe there's a course they should take. Maybe there's somebody else they should talk to. Maybe there's something that they hadn't thought about. So always opening up with that kindness um, as much as you can around your time and just being being open to time and providing resources and you know, you never know where things are going to lead. So I think that would be, you know, kind of the connection of the favorite things and, and this kindness and then, you know, sort of the thoughtfulness that comes. I think that Oprah really sh at least shares with me and is a good reminder. So I have a great story. Ooh. Drum roll about kindness and Oprah. Are you ready? I, I, and flowers I, I, all comes oh, together. Did you, were you listening to me earlier and you knew I like flowers? You're going to tell me a flower story? <laughs> 
I can't wait. It was a surprising fact. I didn't I didn't know that about you. I did not know that you liked fresh flowers. So you'll have to tell me what kind. Um, and you know your birthday. Well, your birthday's passed. <laughs> um, anyways, so if anybody should know that, it's you. here's my story. <laughs> so here's um, here's my story. So I, as you know, I've shared before. I'm not going to say my age, but I am from Chicago, and I grew up in downtown Chicago. And my um, my family belonged to a very lovely gym. It was like this big kind of fancy gym, and all the kind of Chicago, you know, people belonged. The Obamas, uh, Oprah, Jesse Jackson, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so did my mom. And my mom, if you think I'm an extrovert, my mom takes it to a whole other level. And she would <laughs> – she would – show up in the morning uh, when Oprah was working out there before she had her fancy gym and Oprah and my mom would chat and Oprah's um, producer would also share lockers with them. So they get there in the morning, six o'clock, have their coffee, you know, changing into their leotards, heading down to, to the gym area. And my mom just loved talking to Oprah because who doesn't love talking to Oprah? My mom grew up, you know, not, not exactly the same uh, situation Oprah did, but my mom grew up, you know, quite um, not well off and, and, you know, had a lot of struggles uh, again, not the same as Oprah, but has become quite successful herself, which I'm really proud of. And her and Oprah chatted about all kinds of things like checking their credit card statements and getting the best deal on et cetera, et cetera. And, they, and my mom shared a bit about me and I had not met Oprah um, and I was in college. So anyways, the story is my mom shares with Oprah that I had uh, applied for and gotten into a prestigious program. Oprah asked for my address. Lo and behold, at Tufts University, our alma mater in Carmichael Hall on the fifth floor, a giant, massive bucket of hydrangeas showed up on my doorstep. I think it was probably about 20 pounds of hydrangeas. And I came upstairs to my dorm room, walked up. Actually, my neighbor had taken it in. And uh, she's like, I don't know, you got some flowers. I came in. I said, oh, my gosh. She said, who are these from? I'm like, I have no idea. Opened up, and the card was from Oprah. She had sent me a buckets and buckets of hydrangeas. And it just said, congratulations on getting into this program. Now, she has no idea. She never met me. She only knew my mom was kind of the kooky, you know, extroverted lady who also watches her credit card bills. Um, she had no idea that I would be any. It wasn't she wasn't doing that for any other reason except for just total kindness, um, which, of course, stuck with me forever. And we did get a chance to go to the Oprah show a couple of times. I did get a chance to meet her. So I was on the Oprah show a few times. Um, and she is all of the spectacularness of which we have talked about. So that is my long story of kindness uh, from Oprah Winfrey. And it was definitely the most beautiful thing ever to be in Carmichael Hall with, with you know, 20 pounds worth of hydrangeas. <laughs> Shout out C-Mike. <laughs> C-Mike. Uh, so if you're listening to this at Carmichael Hall, you know, drop us a line. And that's just such a special story, which sticks with you to this day, which is what's so amazing. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of my calling card. I, I don't have much else. <laughs> Hi, my name's Julie. I got hydrangeas from Oprah. What's your name? And I wouldn't say how many years ago it was, but it was a while ago. But for sure, and for sure, all my, uh, you know, classmates certainly will never forget that as well. But yeah, no, I mean, that just showed total thoughtfulness, total kindness. And like also, again, this... Um, this sort of contagiousness of it, right? Is like now, you know, that has stuck with me and, uh, you know, always I could have more thoughtfulness and kindness, but I think it's something that I try to incorporate into my, you know, how I exist in the world because it just makes life better. (laughs) 
Oprah is transcendent and so resilient and definitely inspired Julie and I to reflect on a couple key themes. How can we better share and listen more authentically? How can we better show up for others in times of need and in times of inflection? And how can we better spend time with people we care about? You don't always have to send flowers to people that are important to you, but it probably doesn't hurt. Later this week, we are continuing to unpack our fifth principle of mentoring with our inspiring, thoughtful friend, the mayor of Kansas City, Quentin Lucas, who will be talking about building rapport. If you want to help Julie and Jimmy in our mentoring journey, then please subscribe because we all should ask for help. Thank you to our producer, Erica Samus. See you soon.